Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. This week's Pasha is Bullock. Ironic that a Pasha should be called after a person so wicked. Was he that wicked? Let's discuss how wicked was Bullock after all. This Shabbos on the calendar is Shivas Batamas, 17th day of Thomas. Although it's probably preferable to speak about your basic Gimel Thomas that we just had the last few days, we tried to speak a little bit about it last week, Chagagaula, and we need to focus on the present. Seventeenth day of Tammuz marks the beginning of what's known as the three weeks. During the three weeks, we do not take haircuts, we do not listen to music, technically we can cut our nails, except for the nine days, the last nine days of the three weeks. But more importantly, is what lesson do we take from the three weeks as we know it? Also, what halachic ramifications are there for a fast day that comes out on Shabbos? We're not allowed to fast on Shabbos. So much so, that if one has a yard site on a Friday, it's questionable if they can fast. They can fast only half a day, they should fast a different day if they're going to fast on the outside. Not everybody has that custom to fast on the outside. Shechon talks about it, but today's day and age, people are weak, and therefore they don't have the capacity. But if the outside comes out on Friday, we don't fast, basically, because one may not go into Shabbos fasting. One may not even fast for a moment until Kabbalah Shabbos finishes on Shabbos. So what happens? It becomes a tainus nidche. Nidche means it's pushed off. It's pushed off. When Purim is on Sunday, we can't fast Shabbos, tainus Esther. We can't fast Friday, as we just mentioned, and therefore we fast the Thursday before. means you celebrate from Thursday night straight till Sunday night. And that's necessarily even longer, Monday too. Yushalayim. When a fast day 
is nidcha. Technically speaking, it holds the same laws and ramifications as a regular fast, as if it was on its regular day. However, if you, one goes to a rov and he asks a shayla or she asks a shayla if she has to or he has to fast on that day because of any given medical reasons, if a rov would tell a person they do not have to fast and apply such a leniency which is exactly what it is, a leniency. Based on the fact that it's nidcha, that it's pushed off tainus, would be a lot of the substantiality of his leniencies. As a Jew... serving Hashem we don't really look for leniencies those that unfortunately do look for leniencies as long as they're receiving their leniencies from a proper from a proper enjoy it is it ideal? No, it's not ideal. It's a leniency, just that. It's what we call in America a loophole. And whereas somebody can benefit from a loophole, somebody can either gain money from a loophole or get away with other things that are a loophole, with a loophole. It's a loophole. It's not the actual law. By not being the actual law, it's questionable. It's questionable. How does one settle for a loophole, for a leniency? Sometimes out of convenience. Just works better for me. If I can get a leniency, why not? When you work at a job and you have a performance level in which you need to perform. Most people try to score the highest score they can at their job so that their bosses, superiors, etc. will be impressed or for bonuses or for raises. Some people like to get their job done. To be Yitzha. This is my job description. I fill my job description to the T. 
Don't ask me for overtime. Don't ask me for an extra minute. Don't ask me to think too much about it. I do exactly what you're asking me to do and nothing more. Nothing less. I'm not cheating you. But nothing more. Then we have the ones that try to cut corners. What can I get away with? I'll do my job. If I can get away with something, I grab it. Everyone has their approach. I'll leave it to you, listeners, to choose who's right. (laughs) And of course, people will say, if I'm on the receiving end, and I'm the boss, of course I want everybody to perform to the utmost, give it everything they got, because after all, my company will flourish, and I will gain that much more capital if everybody is gung-ho. If I'm the worker, and I'm a salary basis, My salary is my salary. It's called take-home pay, because it's all I can do is take it home. Can't really spend it that much. Doesn't cover all my bills. I'm not overexerting myself. I'm not going to kill myself for it. Then came the concept of bonus. People offer bonuses. When you perform very, very well, all of a sudden you'll find in your paycheck and the envelope something extra. Appreciation for showing how much you do. Something comes from the heart, goes and penetrates the heart. If the boss sees you doing it, this extra, going this extra mile. But not to just khan for him, not just to make him feel good about it. Because you really mean it, and that's how you want the work to be done. You want it to be perfect. You want a perfectionist, and you want to do it right. Then the boss is that much happier giving you the bonus. Whereas a bonus can be given to a person that's performing above the call beyond the, above and beyond the call of duty but they're doing it only to show for show they don't really have their heart and soul into it they may get a bonus as well but the, even it might be the same bonus but it's not given with the same heart it's appreciated what you're doing but obviously you're not really doing what I mean you're doing it and you're covering A leniency. When a person has a mitzvah, mitzvah mitzena. A mitzvah comes to your hand, you should not let it become chametzik. Is one way of translating it. When something is left too long, the dough is left too long, it becomes chametz. Don't let it go to waste. Don't let it. Don't push it off. If a person has an opportunity to do a mitzvah, one should do so immediately. 
whether it's to do a favor for a fellow Jew, whether it's to help somebody, whether it's whatever it might be, to forgive somebody. Don't procrastinate. Procrastination is the worst thing one could do. In the same vein, one should seek out to do a mitzvah lifnim meshuras hadin above and beyond. There are people that keep kosher and there are people that have stringencies in their keeping kosher. There are people that keep Shabbos and there are people that have stringencies in the way they keep Shabbos. There are people that daven three times a day and then there are those people that daven with a full heart and kavana and total intention, all the intentions, etc. And give tzedakah. The fellow that doesn't really have money gives all of a sudden the same amount, matches the donation for a rich man. Shouldn't. Unless it's, I mean, if it's, especially if it's training on you. But if a person comes to collect and a person gives him a hundred dollars, the person's very happy. Usually he gets a quarter. He gets a hundred dollars, he's happy. So if the not-so-wealthy person happens to have a hundred dollars that he wants to give Maisa, and he gives that hundred dollars, and the rich man next to him takes out the same hundred dollars from his stack of hundreds, and gives it as well. Whose hundred dollars is worth more money? We are paupers. We are a nation barely surviving, barely keeping our head above the water. Yet, who is like the Jewish nation? And in this week's parasha we hear the Pasuk, How good is it your tent, Yaakov, and your Mishkan, Israel? And all the beautiful Mepharshim that talk about it, how great the Jewish nation is, and let's face facts, it's not simple to be a Jew. There are many trials and tribulations. The fact that Yidin today are practicing Yiddishkeit, the fact that Yidin are going to the sh- to shul three times a day, davening with a minion, the fact that women are dressing tzinias and covering their hair when they're married, and that everything covering everything else that has to be covered, the fact that people are eating the way they're supposed to eat and looking at hachshedim and making sure that they are eating the proper heksha. We are proving ourselves beyond, beyond, beyond. We did not stand. We stood there. We didn't know it. We stood with our whole, our neshama stood there. We're not the nation that stood by Mount Teda. We're not the nation that had 40 years in the desert eating the mun, drinking from Bear Miriam. We're not from that caliber of people. As a matter of fact, our generations were beaten to a pulp. And the mystery is repeating itself today. As the anti-Semitism is on the rise everywhere. But, yet, here we are. Persevering, 
<laughs> listening to a shear, or listening to multiple shear in the course of the week, listening to a dafyemi shear, listening to a chsidah shear, listening to anything that has to do with Torah and, and, and Aveda, mitzvahs. Wow! Wow! There are so many other channels you could turn to, and this is what you've chosen. So many other things you could do with that hour, and this is what you're at. Me, Ka'am Chaki Yisrael, who is like this Jewish nation? Fasting this coming Sunday is not Lifnim Mishur Sadin, it's not beyond the law. Fasting this Sunday is an obligation as it fast as Nitcha. Again, is there a loophole? Is there a leniency? I'm not going to say it in my mouth. I'm not going to tell you now, carte blanche. Although there are those that are saying carte blanche. Women don't have to fast. This one doesn't have to fast. That one doesn't have to fast. Rebbe, whatever rabbi did it, whatever rabbi is saying it, Ashrecho, good for you. You have very broad shoulders, and you're taking upon your shoulders such a broad, open sack. I don't make any biskadinim in such vein, especially not in public. Someone comes with extenuating circumstances, yes, we can. We don't change the law, we don't curtail, we don't go around the law, but we discuss what has to happen, what could happen, what should happen. So this week, Shivas Betamuz on Shabbos Adraba. On Shabbos, not don't think, oh, it's Shivas Betamuz today. Maybe I should eat a little less. The Karos of the Shabbos Einig, one should eat to their full, properly. All Sudas, those who eat Shalosh Sudas should wash and eat Shalosh Sudas as well. And Malav Malka obviously as well. The fast only begins on Sunday morning. It's Sunday. Most people are not working. Would it be the end of the world if you just fasted and just stayed in bed all day? Dive in the morning, go back to bed. Wake up for Bidikha. It make you weak, make you tired, give you a headache maybe even. Is it the end of the world? I don't know. If you're deciding you want to go to the beach someday anyway, and on the beach, obviously you need your water to drink. You need to stay hydrated. Etc. No. It's not recommended. That's not where the leniency comes in. If the rabbi says, a woman, you, woman, don't have to fast, or anything of the sort, 
the intention doesn't mean go to the pizza store. It doesn't mean go to a restaurant. It doesn't mean go out there and live it up. It means you don't want to fast. You can't fast. You can't fast. So the rabbi puts down a leniency. Says, okay, you can't fast, you can't fast. Try to eat a little less. Do what you can. Show that it's Shivasavitamas. It's a sad day. It's a sad day. It's a day of mourning. It's a day that the, the walls of Yerushalayim are broken into. It's the beginning of the destruction of the Holy Temple. And down the line, three weeks from now, we have Tishabov also will be on Shabbos and also will be raising all these questions. Again, I'm not making any carte blanche statements here. I'm not telling you what you must and may not do. According to the law, which is all I can tell you right here, is we need to fast. We need to fast on Sunday. We need to fast three weeks Sunday. What we do really need to do is to study Hilchas Beis HaBechira. The laws pertaining to the construction of the Beis HaMikdash. There are three sources, three mainstay sources. One is Mishnayis Midas, Mishnayis Midas. One is the Rambam, Hilchas Beis HaBechira. And thirdly, talking about the third Beis HaMikdash, is Yecheskel. Novi Yecheskel, Perik Mevim Where Yecheskel tells about all the journeys and the, the whole vision that he was shown for the third Beis HaMikdash. And in the past years, and we'll the next, next week we'll do as well, we say something about each one during the shir. We don't learn the whole shir about those three things. But each day, each evening actually, in hopefully in my household, we'll be going from 8.15 till 9 o'clock every day, 15 minutes each, 15 minutes Mishnayis, 15 minutes Novi, 15 minutes at Rambam. And we look forward, like every year, to finish all three. Before Tishabov. The laws are quite stringent, though. Music, etc. Buying new clothes not to be made light of to say the least 
So, I'm not going to go through all the halachas. As I said before, the fast starts in the morning, not in the evening before. Whereas Tishbev will start Matzah Shabbos, we'll discuss that when we get close to then. Hopefully till then, Mitzvah will have the Gulas, Melech HaMashiach, and will be in Yerushalayim, in Akedish, by Yisrashtishi, and not have to come out to it already this Shabbos, already not have to Chazshon commemorate Shivas Sabbatamos in that way. After all, Shivas is Gematria 17, is Gematria Tev, the miracle value of the word Tev, good. We have to anticipate and to hope that in Mitzvah all the good will come through by then. Today, Mitzvah Hashem, and we will go with Mashiach Tzikin, with Yerushalayim, Mirakedish, Mahedim, Amen, Amen, Selah. Ha! Balak! Wow. Balak! Was that a nice guy? He got his name. We explained many different shirim. Talked about how he got his name, who he was, Balak Ben Tzipur, Black Magic, etc. The Jews were coming closer to his land. Balak hated the Jews. He sends a message to the prophet, to the non-Jewish prophet, the Jewish prophet of the nation, of the generation, a man named Bilam. And he says, Hine Alma Yitzim Mitzrayim, this nation came out of Mitzrayim, etc. Atana Lechanak Kavali Es Come curse them. Maybe I can drive them away, fight with them. If you curse them, maybe they'll be cursed. What does we get, Ashtiv? From the world. He wanted to get them out of the whole world. Get them, destroy the whole nation. However, Bullock said, get them out of my nation. Get them out of my hair. Get them away from me. Whereas Bilam wanted to destroy the nation entirely. And many commentaries on the Tata say, Vagashenim in Aritz, drive them out of my land. His intention simply was to drive the Jews away. Whereas Bilam, in his quote, return to Balak, was Vigirashtiv, I will have them eradicated. He wanted to minimize in his curses and just plain to destroy the Jewish nation. Why is Rashi explain it this way? Bilam hated the Jews more than Balak. Balak's hatred to the Jews was because he was petrified. They were getting closer and they're going to battle with him and he was scared. As he says to Bilam, they're sitting here next to me. They're almost about to attack me and cut me down. 
But little unbeknownst to Balak, the Jews were commanded by God, don't don't bother them. Balak simply just did not know. And he thought the reason the Jews are not fighting with him because Sichen and Oig, the two big giants, were protecting. So therefore he says, Asa should also Yisrael and He's telling Bilam, I gotta be careful because what the Jews just did to Emedi. They toppled Sichen and Oig. So we need a an explanation here. When the messengers of Bullock came to Bilam, why did Bilam not just tell them, eh, they're not attacking you, they're not allowed to. They were commanded not to. What are you worried about? But he doesn't do that. Because Bilam hated the Jews more than Bullock did. And therefore, he wanted to eradicate the Jews regardless. Bullock himself was only scared for his own life, unbeknownst to him that they weren't going to attack him regardless. Bilam wanted to take, seize the opportunity to both get paid for it and destroy the Jews. That's where we're in and how deep his hatred lie. Change of pace over here, come towards the end of the Parsha. Very random happening. He brings, this Jew brings a non-Jewish woman into his camp. And everybody cries. Vayar Pinchas Pinchas saw. And behold, Pinchas, he took the initiative and destroyed this Jew and the non-Jews. Fine. And then what happens? Before Pinchas does it though, they ask Moshe what to do. And Moshe does not answer. I don't know. I don't know. This is not the first time Moshe said, I don't know. Moshe also said, I don't know. By the B'nai Tzlavchad, the daughters of Tzlavchad, whose father died chopping wood on Shabbos. And they were only girls, and they came to Moshe what to do about the inheritance of their father. Why these two halachas, Zimri and Slavchad, daughters of Slavchad, 
did Moshe forget the, the halachas? Something else we need to understand. If the halacha disappeared from Moshe and he couldn't repeat it, why didn't Allah repeat it? Why Pinchas, the grandson of Aaron, the son of, Pin- of Elazar, why did he take into his hand rather than Elazar, his father? If you're keeping score at home, you get mud in your vomus. Mud in your vomus, the vine zayin of Aleph. Any Tamachim that makes that says Allah, Paskins Allah. In Kedem Maise Amr Shemenli, if before the action they say they heard him, then, then they listen to him. If not, then they don't listen to him. Tesis explains, This is talking about if you listen or don't listen to him, as if he is what's called Negeabedavar. He's involved in this situation. At that point, you don't listen to him. If the Amira was not before the Maisa. Now we understand. The reason that the halachas disappeared from Moshe, because in these two scenarios, Moshe was called the Negea Bedavar, he was involved. In the story of Zimri, Zimri said to Moshe, you're talking about taking an Ishik Nanis, about taking a non-Jewish wife. <laughs> Who made Yisra's daughter, your wife, a kosher woman to marry? So Moshe had to step back. He's involved. Although he did nothing wrong. He did everything that had to happen. The gear and everything that had needed to be done. Time before Matanteda, etc., etc. Everything was on the level. Up and up. But, Zimri attacked him on this. And therefore he stepped back. See, it's simply in a gale of In the doors of Tzlavchad, they come and they tell him that our father died. He was not part of Kerach's crew. Kerach's crew that came to argue and to fight with Mesha. But he could have been. But he didn't. He took on for Moshe's COVID. He stuck up for Moshe. That's bribery. That makes Moshe a gambler, and he couldn't pass him. So Yahweh understood why these laws were hidden from Moshe, because they wouldn't have accepted it from him anyway. <coughs> And say before the Mesa, before things that he got involved. And this we understand as well with Eliezer. 
Elozer Akain also couldn't say the Psak Din, although he was calling Godel, because that same argument, Lokach Yisha, taking from Yisra's family, Yisra's children, a wife, Elozer as well married there. So again, Zimri was attacking him as well. So he too is the Gevedover, therefore, Pinchas had to take in hand the halacha and took the initiative and caused a piercing halacha, a piercing psagdin, literally something that went straight through the heart of both of them. What's such a cryptic language? You learn about it, you know. The Ramam writes that the Teda, Teda, Haida Alav, gives testimony on Melech HaMashiach fully. In Pashas Bilam, it says, Sham Navai Bishnei HaMashiachim. They will come with the two Mashiachim. Mashiach Arisha in Rukhuli, and Mashiach Achim. The first one and the last. Sh'emid mi banav sh'mashiach Yisrael, they will stand up for his children and will save the Jews. Why does the Rambam stress <coughs> the prophecy was said dafke through Bilam, Eran of He was a sworn enemy to the Jews. You're taking his quote for such an important explanation about the ultimate goal of the Eden, of the B.S. Melech HaMashiach. We have Pshat, we have Remez, we have Drush, we have Said. Let's go according to Drush. Balak wanted... that Bilaam used his powers to curse the Jews. Well, on the other hand, perhaps we could say, curse the Jews of Jerusalem. Not alone. They didn't curse the Jews, But he used, he ended up conjuring up and bringing up all his powers to bless the Jews. And therefore, the Rambam emphasizes that the Nevuah Sagaula, the prophecy of the ultimate redemption, was said in Pasha's Bilam, because also the Geula, <coughs> the future Geula, will also be like that. <coughs> That the application in the time of Golos ruling over the nations of the time, the time of the Golos when the nations are ruling over the Jewish nation and we use that monarchy to torture the Jews of Khmer 
in the time of the of the Geula, not alone will the Jews not be un, be, be oppressed and not have anybody dictating to them. Rather, they will uh, exercise their strengths and they will exercise their authority to help and to save fellow Jews. It says, Pazik says, another one of the blessings of Bilam, Vayered Miyakev, Vehevit Srid Meir. More so, says Rashi, a marshal using here from Yaakov, etc. Vamelech Hamashiach Emekin, Vamelech Hamashiach, he says, Shinevat says, Vyed miyom ad yom, it will go down from yom to a yom. So therefore, Yerid Meir also refers to Mashiach. What is going on? What is the Indian? of the ruling of Melech HaMashiach from one river to the next Malchus Melech HaMashiach is going to be on the entire land <coughs> what does the rivers, the waters have to do with this Chassidus explains it's known what it says in Tanya in the beginning of Perik Lamed Zayin that the fulfillment in the days of Mashiach are in connection with our Maisim and Avedis while we're in the Golas. The Seif Meir and I is brought down. Each and every Jew needs to repair and to prepare a substantial amount for Mashiach that Shaykh to his own personal Shabbat. And the difference between Yam and Aretz, land and water, Yam shows things that are covered. The Aveda of the person, when a person serves God with proper dedication, it's within the person. It's a premiumistic thing. Aretz refers to something that's revealed, uncovered. So the of a person is to repair his portion in the world that's on the outside of him. And these two Avedas are implied and hinted in this passage. V'yed miyam ad yam uminahar ad afse aretz. They go down from Nord, uh, from Yom to Yom, and the Nord will go to the end of the land. For the Aveda that's brought in the days of Mashiach by the person themselves, by the world which is on the outside, this will all be Yom Ad Yom and 
the, con- the second concept of Ad Asiyaretz. Let's re-examine Bilam himself, the journey he takes. The first group of messengers he declines, the second group of messengers he, request, he acquiesces to go with, to accompany. When Bilam goes out to curse the Jews, says he got up very early in the morning he he himself saddled his, his donkey Dover what yeah, what's shocking here? Something very shocking here. Vayachvesh is Hasseini. Bilam was a prophet. He was a very important personality man. But yet he himself saddles the donkey doesn't have his servant and I'm sure he had plenty of servants he doesn't have his servants do it for him he himself does it what was he thinking Rashi explains Mikan from here we see Shasina Mikalkelas is Ashura the hatred totally distorts the proper way of thinking and therefore he himself went out and did it now emotion of sinna or ava if it's love or hatred both can affect how a person acts and reacts Just like by Bilam, the hatred was so intense that he lost perspective of what he was doing and he himself went and saddled the donkey. So he can go and curse the Jews. Same way also unconditional love knows no boundary. Not only knows no boundary, but it goes beyond logic. When one has a true, deep, unconditional love for a person, nothing stands between them. Even if they don't live together in the same house, same neighborhood, the same area, same town, city, country, Unconditional love is not does not get tainted. Here we see it from a, from Bilam, the opposite, the unconditional hatred. Rashi explains, Omar Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Hakadosh Baruch Hu said, Rasha, you wicked man. 
you think that by saddling your donkey, getting up early in the morning to do my bidding officially, to go with the servants of Balak, is going to make you successful in your endeavors? Is going to make it work for you? I got news for you. You're not a pioneer. You're not the first guy that went out there and wanted to do my bidding and meant it full-heartedly and did it by himself, saddled his own donkey. Their father Avram already did this. Before you, he preceded you. Avram got up early in the morning and he saddled his own donkey. The work of Avram Avinu, standing up, stood in its stead against the work of Bilam HaRosha. And thereby protected the Yidden so many years later. What did Bilam look for here? Through such great hatred, what was he anticipating to be able to do? He knew very well that Baruch was not going to let him curse the Jews. Hakadosh Baruch told him, "What I'll tell you to say, you'll say. Otherwise, don't even try." Bilam really wanted to perhaps put a little bad spin on the Jews. And perhaps he can taint that unconditional love that HaKadosh Baruch has for the Jews. Because after all, he was in a darga where he knew Dasayin. He knew what goes on. So he started on the middle level. to try to awaken different prosecuting stances. When he saw, according to the regular way, there's no way he's going to curse the Jews, he came along to the calculus of Shura. And to wake up things that are not according to the regular day. Bilam by his actions was so to, meant to say the truth is according to the order of the things regular things Am Yisrael is the nation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and it's impossible to start with them and to curse them however since Am Yisrael sinned midbon. And they perhaps damaged this, severed this connection with God somewhat. It's befitting the Rotsakar Baruch Hu. He calculates Also, a two way street, maybe he doesn't feel to them because they feel to him. And he's not going to be only in the attribute of kindness, of chesed. And this comes about the services with the great hatred that Bilam had for the Jews. Sinna Shemekalkelis Ashura. The hatred that destroys the, the straight thinking. Akash Baruch says, I'm sorry, my friend, 
Avram Avihem, their father Avram Avinu, already paved the road for them way before you. And therefore both how they act according to the regular way and the Kalklan Asashura where they de- deter a little bit or affect the path, the, pre- the, the correct path and they don't act the way 100% they should. The Jewish nation is still worthy for a bl- of a blessing. And the merit of their father of Ramavino. <coughs> they too, from the order of receiving a blessing, on the recipient, on the rece- receiving end. Pasha's Bolok itself shows us and teaches us the turning over of the call of Tabracha. Return over to you the curse to a blessing. For God loves you unconditionally. Just like by Bilam, who revealed his tremendous hatred to Mikakelis Zashura, so too, turning over the Klaudot Abracha is to reveal within each and every Jew the love, the Ava Shemekal Not enough Ava Hashem, Al Piyashura, according to the way, of, straight way of thinking, but by each and every Jew needs to be the Ava Hashem, which is according to the regular way of life. This Ava brings about that a Jew is Mekayim Mitzvahs, the Maila Mishuras Hadin, as we spoke in the beginning of this year, different ways of doing Mitzvahs, by doing Lifnim Mishuras Hadin, by totally devoting and giving themselves over in cases and things that are not, not the way they should happen. And this love needs to be so great, so strong, that it turns over even the wicked to bad. Therefore, when a Jew binds himself, and it binds oneself. In a connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he awakens this love, even in, within HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so much so that HaKadosh Baruch Hu turns everything over, the bracha, and reveals to all where God, a God, loves you unconditionally, and therefore, when one loves someone unconditionally, there's nothing in the world that would stop them, nothing in the world that can get in their way, and they see to accomplish, and to do, and to fulfill in the fullest, in the deepest way, in the deepest message. And may we see these days just like the beginning of the three weeks by us in Chutzlaretz is Bolok, which the parasha shows us how a curse is turned over entirely to be a, bl- a blessing. Same way as well, these days should be turned over for joy and for happiness 
and we should be taking this Shabbos to Yerushalayim, Yerakadosh, the Shabbos to all.